Welcome to the Key Wellbeing Podcast and our new series, Lunchtime Listens, where it's all about real clients, real employee wellbeing challenges, and of course, real expert advice. Let's get started. And the topic this week is less stress, more success as a business leader. So let's be real. Being a leader can be stressful. Not only are you pulled from above to get the job done, but you're simultaneously pulled from below by your team. They all have wants and needs that you need to meet. According to a recent study, the demands of leadership roles are resulting in more than two thirds thinking about quitting due to the impact that it's having on their own well-being, which has a rippling effect on the organization as a whole. Someone who recognizes the mad world of leadership and is making a big difference in improving it is Claire Walton. With first-hand experience of the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to leadership, Claire has set up her own business, Leaders Are Mad, to help get those working in senior roles to achieve more success with less stress. Sounds like the dream, right? Well, today, Claire is going to talk to us about exactly that. So without further ado, let's get into it. So welcome, Claire. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks, Marie. Good, good. (laughs) Are you ready to uh, talk about leadership? Absolutely. I am always ready to talk about leadership. Let's do it. So based on your wealth of experience, I know that you've got some stellar experience with all of the clients that you have that are tip-top leaders in the region and beyond. What would you say are some of the biggest stresses for business leaders? Okay. So these are so, so common. People will talk about the fact that they don't have enough time. Of course, they have plenty of time. It's how they choose to use it. (laughs) And they don't have enough resources. So obviously time is a resource in itself, but resources in terms of, you know, people and budget and, you know, so on and so forth. And, And honestly, it sounds really simple and obvious but that that's the biggest stress for people and I think it's such a shame really because um you know they do have a lot of time it's how they're choosing to use that time and it might sound really condescending and patronizing but you know what some of the stuff that I work with leaders on in fact a lot of the stuff we'll work on it and we'll 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 kind of frame it in a certain way and then they'll be like oh my god it's obvious really isn't it and I'm like was it obvious when you walked in the room yeah what is becomes obvious through our conversations, our coaching sessions, was not necessarily obvious when they were walking in the room. So there's all these people in leadership roles that are walking around there doing their jobs without actually just stepping back enough to realize that they're making really bad choices about how they're spending their time. They're making really bad choices about how they're working with people and their budget and so on and so forth. And, and that's causing them a lot of stress. Yeah, absolutely. How are we spending our time, our money and our energy, right? What are we creating more of? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) you mentioned the workplace there then. So if uh, a leader is stressed, do you think that kind of leads to stressed employees? Does it have a ripple effect? Oh, 100% it does. I mean, you've probably heard of the contagion effect. You heard of the contagion effect? Uh, well heard of contagion (laughs) explain to us (laughs) well you know so so you get somebody behaving in a particular way and if that person also happens to have 
power. Now, it could be hierarchical power in terms of leadership. It could be um, power in terms of celebrities, for example. You know, um, you know, there's power even in terms of like the power dynamics in families and so on. But if the person also, also so, so they're demonstrating a certain behavior and they have power, their behavior becomes the behavior that is much more likely to just rub off, you know, regardless of what they say, rub off on other people. So you know that phrase, I mentioned family dynamics, but you know that phrase that often parents will use, you know, don't do what I do, but do what I say. <laughs> you know, and the, when the, the children will say, but you don't do such and such, you know, you don't eat your greens, you don't eat your broccoli, uh, your broccoli or whatever it might be. It's like, it's the same sort of thing with, with, with leaders, you know, leaders have to demonstrate um, what they talk about being important as well as talking about it. And so if a leader is stressed, then it, there's not even a very good chance that other people will be stressed. Other people will be stressed around that leader. Yeah, because they will feel that stress regardless of whatever the leader says is important and how people should behave. And, you know, we talk about things like well-being here. You know, people in leadership roles are the worst, are the absolute worst at looking after their own well-being. Yet they will say it's so important to everybody else. Mm. And actually, how important they believe it is, um, is demonstrated through their own actions. So... If you are a leader and you are stressed, and many leaders are stressed, yeah, um, you can be spending a lot of money on well-being tactics and strategies and this, that, and the other. But if you're not looking after your own so that you're not stressed, then you're diluting the effect of everything else that you're doing. That's such a good point. Behavior breeds behavior, right? No matter what sort of you sticking plasters you put over, it's the energy that you're bringing. Um, and you will shape the culture, really, won't you, with the people that you're interacting with? Absolutely. People sense it. You know, it's it's everything from the words that you use, the tone of your voice, the pace of your delivery. It's it's, you know, every expression and, you know, animation that's coming from your body. Um, but even if you're not in person, people are picking it up from the tone of your emails and your texts. Um, and even if it's not a, at a conscious level, it's still affecting them. We absolutely know this about the influence that leaders have because of the, um, the authority of their position. And also because, um, you know, not just the authority of the position, but often, yeah, because of other kind of dynamics in cultures of many of our organizations, particularly here in the UK, you know, the leader's voice will often be the loudest. I mean, we talk a lot about the importance of inclusivity and engaging people and so on, but um, we still, you know, yeah, the leader still tends to have the greatest share of voice. Absolutely. And thinking about people in power then, and I just want to ask you sort of more of a personal question. Have you ever experienced bad leadership? Either, I mean, it might be an example that you have in your own personal experience, or it could be a client. <laughs> have I ever? <laughs> <laughs> and what, what kind of what kind of impact does that have as well? Okay, I'm going to be really very brutally honest here. You know, I, I often talk about the fact that I have worked with the good and the bad and the ugly of leaders. Okay, a couple of the ugly, right? Um, I have worked with some people, CEOs or MDs or other very senior. I've got to be careful what I say, haven't I? <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so very senior people who I've directly worked for in my previous career. And those people's behavior was incredibly, incredibly um, unhelpful, let's say, um, to the rest of us not feeling stressed. And I'm going to just point out two things. You know, we might think that um, that we are going to be more stressed if we're, we're on the receiving end of a very aggressively, you know, kind of like very obvious, um, unhappy uh, leader who is quite aggressive, defensive, let's call it. But actually, some of the worst are the ones that are the quite passive, defensive. You know, so people where it's a little bit more sly, it's a little bit more of an undertone. Both of, both of those types of leaders are, however, defensive. So they're defending themselves or feeling like they need to defend themselves because they come from a baseline of insecurity. And they demonstrate it in ways that it's bad for the rest of us to be around, whether we're directly reporting to them or otherwise. And, and I was directly reporting to more than um, one of those leaders, or at least two, maybe even three, that clearly I can't name. Um, and I am a pretty resilient and strong individual. <laughs> and yet I can honestly tell you that um, they had a huge impact on my levels of stress. And I was, of course, then in a leadership position as well. Um, and I was doing what a lot of the clients that come to me um, do, which I, I was acting as a buffer for my team. So you kind of have a double whammy because you're absorbing, in effect, the stress of your leader, which is what, I, what was happening to me. Um, so they're stressed. They then got really unhelpful behaviors that are impacting me. And then I'm trying to absorb all of that and not allow it to leak out <laughs> for the rest of my team. Now, inevitably, it does leak. doesn't matter how hard you try, it does leak. Um, but I was trying very hard not for it to leak out. And in the middle of all of that, um, then that created real issues for my um, mental, emotion, emotional, physical, and even spiritual well-being. Yeah, of course it would. Yeah, it's such a um, a tricky spot to be in, isn't it? Um, to try and absorb that and to, you know, well, you, you profess all the time about sort of dealing with emotions and feeling them and releasing them. But if you can't do that in the workplace, sometimes if you're going from one meeting with senior leaders down to your team members in the next hour, it's you've got to almost be like a robot to sort of pull those gears. It's, it's hard, isn't it? And when I look back to, I mean, I came out of my previous um, career uh, about 10 years ago now. And when I look back to those times, and it, it's one of those things that us oldies say all the time now, don't we? Oh, you know, we wish, you know, we knew then what we know now. And it, it's not just about knowing it. It's about, I, I wish I'd have known it and even applied some of the things I'd have known back then. It would have made, made quite a difference. And one of the things that I say now to, to clients and, and you know, to people like on this you know, podcast now, um, the importance of getting help. See, this is another thing with a lot of people in leadership positions. So, of course, I had a leader, but then I was also a leader. Um, you can feel like, and I did back then, and I would advocate not to be like me. <laughs> you know, you can feel like you have to absorb it, and it's a weakness if you if you go out and you seek help. 
you know, um, and you may not, you, particularly if you're in very senior roles, and you know, I was an executive director myself, you know, um, you may not be a, feel, feel or be able to go to somebody inside the organization. So go to someone outside the organization, you know, whether it's a professional coach or a therapist or a friend, you know, but go to somebody um, and, you know, share, rather than absorb it all, hold it all in, suppress it, um, share, you know, with people, release some of that, you know, you talk it out and get some empathy back um, and, and you know, help get some, you know, reframes to look at things differently and to do things differently. Um, or even indeed in the end, like I did in each of those occasions to get the hell out of there. <laughs> yeah, something's got to give, right? Yeah, something's got to give. So thinking about what you said before about leaders not looking after themselves quite often and looking after their own well-being, what do you think some of the signs are for any leaders listening that they might be a bit too stressed, they might be on the brink of burnout? Because sometimes you can't see the wood for the trees, can you? Yeah. Well, I mean, the first and foremost thing is if you are finding yourself reacting to everything, you know, rather than having that um there's a stimulus so there's an there's an action you know something gets said or something gets done or um you know you receive an email with <laughs> um if you find yourself reacting to everybody's requests to everybody else's actions to everybody else's behaviors without actually pausing to make the choice that I mentioned earlier in terms of choosing how you want to respond to that then you are probably way down the line of already being stressed in reality. So that's one of the things. If, if you are not practicing that there's some sort of stimulus, you are pausing then to, to consciously make a choice. What is the best way to respond to this? Yeah. And then have an effective response. Then you're probably way down the line. That's one thing. Um, the second thing I would say is if you can start to get into your body, out of your head and into your body, again, you will notice because when we are stressed, you know, we feel it in our bodies, possibly even more than we feel it up here. So, for example, I've had a stressful time recently. <laughs> we were talking just before we came on here about a, a, a flood that we'd had at home that's basically meant we've had to vacate the house um and so on and so forth anyway the context doesn't really matter but the point is you can be someone who doesn't get very easily stressed and I don't get very easily stressed you can be someone who knows how to manage stress yeah um but you can have very stressful situations that can happen to you and you will start to feel stressed it's just a natural response. The key is to, to be able to connect with those feelings and then go, okay, what is it that my body, right? What is it that my body requires most of me in response to how my body feels? And you must then act upon the answer or answers to that. So, um, and, and the problem is with people in leadership roles, generally speaking, other than the clients that I, I work with, because I teach this um, with them, you know, they're all up here. You know, it's all about their thoughts. It's not about their feelings. And even if we talk about feelings, they then talk about emotions 
And I'm like, no, I actually want you to feel your body. I actually want you to sense what is going on for you. You know, have you got that kind of, um, you know, uh, are you extra hot? Yeah. Are you, um, you know, do you have stiffness? Are you, you know, are your shoulders up? Are you clenching your hands more? You know, are you gen generally, are your muscles aching? Because you're probably clenching them. Um, you know, you've got that tension in your body. You know, are your nerves literally jangling around your entire body? You know, is your nervous system, I always call it like jangling, you know, it's like, or fizzing, you know, do you actually feel your body fizzing? You know, then the chances are that you're incredibly stressed. That's yeah. such a powerful way to look at it. I think that hopefully that resonates with anyone listening about just asking yourself a question, how are you feeling? Like what feelings and sensations are you experiencing? Because if someone asks you, how are you? Then asking the question in the way that you just posed it. And therefore no one's asking you and it's up to you to ask it for yourself <laughs> or to work with someone like you who can teach them how to do that and to sort of build that in as a bit of a habit. But it's such an important distinction as well what you said before around how we um, reacting um, or are we choosing to respond and noticing some space around that so they're two really key bits of, uh, of gold from you there thank you so much um, so how can leaders promote a stress-free working environment then do you think so if they're taking care of their own well-being a little bit um, and they're wanting to promote that at work and they're wanting, they're wanting that for other people how can they promote a stress-free environment in the workplace because it is stressful out there right now well it has the potential to be stressful I think this is the thing you know I think we're all walking around um even just saying things to ourselves that are unhelpful yeah so you know it's a stressful environment well it has the potential to be so again it's that you know it's a typical coaching thing you know how we choose to frame things impacts yeah how we then feel about those things and literally feel from an emotional point of view, which we feel in our bodies. <laughs> um, so if we are, I mean, you know, here's a key example. You have nearly everyone I speak to, if, I, if, if you say, how are you? What, what's, the, what's the first thing that they all say? I bet you know, how are you? What's the first thing they'll say? I'm well, thanks, how are you? <laughs> oh, well, they might actually. So what they tend to say to me rather than that is they'll say, oh, I'm busy. Oh. I'm busy. Everyone talks about being. I was going to say, people sort of just pretend that they're well, don't they? It's almost like uh, you don't check in with how you feel. It's just the knee jerk reaction. Yeah, I'm fine. Thanks. How are you? It's like, <laughs> not going to give you a real response. <laughs> Everyone talks about being busy. Yeah. Right. Look, you can be as busy as you like. Right. But what you need to do is make sure that um, you are spending your time doing the things that are going to make the most positive difference. I mean, in a, in, a, in a nutshell, that's kind of it. So then you think from a leadership position and in answering your question about, um, you know, how do they make sure that they're providing like almost like, like a, did you call it a stress-free environment, by the way? Yeah, that is what I said, yeah. Okay. Well, I just want to go back to that as well, right? So I don't believe in providing stress-free environments, but I'll come back to that. Um, <laughs> providing a constructive environment in which people can perform at their best and make a really positive difference for whoever um, they're trying to make a positive difference for, because that's what we're all doing in any of our any of our jobs and lives. We're just trying to make positive differences, um, whether we do or not. Do you know <laughs> that's our in, our sort of intent? Now, I just want to come back to um, 
it's part of my answer. Sorry, I'm going around the houses with this, but it's important. If we provide a stress-free environment, um, potentially people are going to be bored, which in itself can be stressful. So, um, so there's another framing thing. Again, you know, rather than talking about being busy, and again, that that's a negative thing, yeah, or talking about, oh, it's a stressful environment about that out there, and that being a negative thing. How we choose to perceive the world, again, will impact on how we feel and then how we perform, which again, then will create um, a scenario in which we're going to feel more or less stressed, because a lot of our stress comes from our performance as well. So as human beings, we need a certain amount of stress. We absolutely need a certain amount, but it's the Goldilocks principle, isn't it? You know, too much isn't so good, too little isn't so good. We need it to be just, ah, oh, just right. Okay. So the thing that the leaders can do is have really open conversations with people that are what I would um, call high trust conversations with people continually. Um, about what is happening for them, um, how they really are, um, what is going on in the organisation, and you know what can both they do, the individual that's being led, um, what um, do they think the leader can do, and what can the organisation around them do to help that person be able to perform at their best in order to make the most positive difference possible. Because one of the things that's absolutely, and you'll know this, key to our well-being is that we feel that we are making a positive difference. We feel that we are able to bring our whole selves to work um, and that we are able to perform at our best. You know, when we're doing all of those things, we're ticking off, you know, key human needs of a sense of belonging, being valued, having something valuable, to contribute, all of these things make us feel safe, um, you know, because we are then going to be maintained by the tribe in which we operate and looked after because we belong, we've got something valuable um, to add and we're able to, to add that and it's going to be recognised. You know, these things are really important for people. So having that sort of conversation and framing it in that way is absolutely critical. Love it. And so much gold in that as well. So yeah, just having those open, trustworthy conversations and picking yourself up on your language, like, oh, it's stressful out there. Like I, I even I said it. So you know, what are we telling ourselves all the time? And how is that impacting our perception? So I think that's really, really useful. Um, so what are some of the key traits of being a successful leader then that can help employees to really thrive in the workplace? If you had your top three tips or something for a successful leader, what can they be doing right now? Well, people probably hear about this all the time um, and they hear about it probably because it's it's right. You know, number one, absolutely being authentic. So what do I mean when I say, be, say being authentic? So um, I mean, actually being your best self. Now, <laughs> what's key about that is. We can be authentic, as in we can just, you know, turn up and say what we want to say and be how we want to be without really thinking about it because we're just being ourselves. 
Right. That is not what I mean. That is absolutely not what I mean. Um, that's actually being what I would term a maverick. Yeah, you're not actually caring enough to be authentic with skill. Yeah, being authentic with skill is, you know, putting your best self out there, but it's your best self. It's not trying to be somebody else. Yeah, it's not performing in the sense that you're playing a role. So you're still being you, but you are being sensitive to the environment and the people around you. Um, again, if you're not sensitive um, to the environment and the people around you, then that you could be unintentionally causing stress to others and unhealthy, unhelpful stress um, to others. Um, but if you are fundamentally being your best self, then you don't actually have to try very hard. So there is this element about sensitivity, so the doing it with skill, but you don't have to try very hard because you're not performing. You can perform in your job without actually having to perform as a human being. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It can be really exhausting, can't it? Trying to be some, pretending to be somebody else or having this facade or this person that you think that you should be when you've got your work hat on and the closer you can get to marrying those two. Yeah, I could definitely relate to that from my corporate world myself you know I definitely wasn't myself at work and it was exhausting <laughs> absolutely absolutely and then I think the second thing would be about remembering that um you can't do it all on your own you know so you know one of the key things again for leaders is to see themselves as um not kind of sitting like above you know the rest of the team but actually see themselves as leading from within the team so, you know, it is possible to have that dynamic where, yes, you might be leading a team or leading an entire organization, but you don't have to see yourself sort of sitting outside of it, which would be very lonely, which again, if you're lonely, it's one of the worst things, you know, to feel as a human being. When we're lonely, we feel incredibly unsafe. When we feel unsafe, we therefore, it's, we're insecure. When we're insecure, we respond defensively going back to the good, the bad and the ugly and, and the ugly leaders, you know, if I had em empathy for them, it was because they were putting themselves outside of the team. And as a consequence, it's lonely. They feel insecure and they react defensively. And none of us actually feels good on the receiving end of defensive behaviors. They're either aggressive defensive or they're passive defensive. And, and it doesn't feel good to be on the receiving end of that. So put yourself actually in the team and allow yourself sometimes to be vulnerable within the team allow yourself to ask for help within your team um allow yourself to um receive the help that is often um on offer but we feel like we oughtn't you know to be burdening the rest of our team members <laughs> by accepting their help and all these other really unhelpful you know baggage that kind of like sometimes comes with the label of being um, the leader. So that's the second thing that I would say is about, is about just managing that potential to be lonely by sitting within the team, et cetera. Um, and then- um, third... can I ask a, Sorry, can I ask a question before you do the third point? Um, do you come across a lot of lonely leaders? Absolutely. If there were lonely leaders out there, I would probably half my uh, client list. Yeah. Do you think they, they know that they're lonely when they come to you? 
Um, do I do they know that they're lonely when they come to me? Mm. Um, mm, that's a really good question, actually. That Marie, I would say some definitely articulate it, but they might only be articulating it because they're in the session being listened to. Okay, that's actually really critical. So one of the points of loneliness is for the, for the people that are coming to me, they're, they're, up, they're in leadership positions where they'll be talking about the organization. They'll be talking about the needs of the customer, let's say. They'll be talking about the needs of the employees. They'll be talking about, you know, um, <clears throat> the needs of the investor, let's say, whatever, whoever it might be, other stakeholders. Um, but when do they actually talk about their needs? When they come to me that's when they start offloading about what they need and when they're offloading about what they need that's often when they start to say things to me like I have just shared stuff with you that I've never shared even with my wife or husband or partner or whatever and then they start to realize just how lonely they are yeah it's a, uh, it's you know, just an interesting point, isn't it? That's uh, well, you've heard lonely at the top, but like, I think sometimes people don't realize potentially how lonely they are. But maybe they've marooned themselves, and yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. But um, yeah, thank you. And sorry to derail your three points. So the three, the key traits of um, a successful leader, uh, you said um, authenticity, vulnerability, and what was your third point? So if, um, oh yeah, so that it was about putting yourself um in the team. And then I think the third thing is make sure you're covering what I call the personal peak performance basics. So <laughs> all the basics. So, you know, making sure you're getting the right amount of sleep for yourself consistently and everything that anyone that, you know, knows anything about well-being should know about sleep because it's the number one. It's the absolute number one. Everything else follows. What we're both doing today, hydrating. You know, I would say it's very much the number two. Um, or maybe side by side with doing some breath work um, would be another one, um, which again would be side by side with doing some form of mindfulness. Even if your mindfulness um, is around, like for me, for example, my mindfulness mainly comes through two things. One, when I'm um, doing my gratitude journaling, which I've been doing an awful lot of recently with some of the stuff that's been going on you know see the more positive sides and all the rest of it um and then um the, the other mindfulness activity i do is pilates because when i'm doing pilates um I'm, I'm not very well coordinated um or strong and so getting into the positions and coordinating the uh, movements and um you know having to apply some real sort of core strength and so on means I have to shut everything else off. So I'm only concentrating on the one thing. I'm concentrating on my body. A bit like with breath work when we're just concentrating on our breath. Um, and then um, exercise, but not, as a lot of my clients will talk about exercise, as in, you know, if we've got the potential to be stressed or if we're in a stressful situation, you know, just the context is stressful, Going and doing lots of really hard push ourselves exercise is not a good idea. We're just, you know, filling ourselves with even more adrenaline and cortisol and so on. Moderate exercise, a lovely walk out in nature, 
with a friend. You know, you, 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 you're getting a triple whammy there, aren't you? Because you're getting the exercise, so that you, it's the movement, you're out in nature. Um, and then of course, you know, you've got that connection with another human being. And that is my final one on the um, peak performance basics is about that connection. So connecting with others where it's a positive connection with others, of course, disconnect from anybody where it's not positive, literally disconnect from them. Um, if it's your boss, you can't completely disconnect with them. Well, then reduce the amount of time that you spend with them. <laughs> um, but spending, you know, time with with um, connections and properly connecting with people <laughs> where it's a positive connection, connecting with yourself spiritually. So connecting with, you know, who you really are, what really matters to you um, and what you care about. Um, so con really connecting or reconnecting with those sorts of things on a very sort of regular basis, really important. I think without having my slides handy, I've covered most of the you know, personal <laughs> No, some really, really good points there and something for everyone, I'm sure, to think about working on. Even listening to you myself, I was like, yeah, do you know what? I probably need to like ease up on the hip training sometimes. <laughs> But uh, it's a really good point to think about um, about all of those, the mindfulness and connection with others and just, yeah, trying to slow it down, I guess, is the key theme with all of those, isn't it? Bringing it back to mindfulness as well. And this, this is the daft thing you say, because <clears throat> in fact, I had a client in here um, day before, yesterday or the day before yesterday, um, and it was um, his first um, session. And uh, again, it's like, Walk, him walking away after several hours of, of coaching with me and he, he you know he's walking away with what we might think are some really obvious things like going away and you know really you know having decided what are the most important things that he should be spending his time working on going right back to the beginning of this conversation you know what are the most important things you should be spending your time and energy on make actually becoming conscious of what are those things and making sure that um when we plan our time in our calendar that those things go in first and everything else comes in after that and that some of those most important things um are putting ourselves first in terms of those personal peak performance basics being in there because if we're not actually setting ourselves up to bring our best self to a situation, the reality is that everything we do is actually far less productive than it could be, which then means that we need more time. So we get, this is my whole point about time, you know, we have actually lots of time, but we're not choosing to use it well. And it's not even just, like I said, those strategic choices in terms of our our organization or our role so they're kind of like the tasks that we're choosing to do but it's what we're choosing to do to enable ourselves to actually show up and do those tasks really well and efficiently then we actually get some time back I love that like how much enabling activity time do we have stacked in our calendar I think that's a really good question yeah thank you um, so one final question that we asked to all of our podcast guests, what is one way that you think employers can create healthy, happy workplaces? Well, it's not putting fruit in the um, <laughs> in the reception areas and so on and so forth. Okay, 
don't put the cherry on top of the cake before you've made the cake. <laughs> um, so I would say the most fundamental thing is, oh, it's a toss up. Can I have two things? I need to have two things. Because no, it, it's you. <laughs> two things. One is create psychological safety for people. And I mean, that's a whole different podcast, I know, but it, you know, creating a place in which people feel like they can have a voice and say what they think and how they feel and have that properly listened to and responded to alongside what is not often talked about, because that one is often talked about, job design. Job design. How many times do I have to tell people? <laughs> you know. What do you mean by that? Okay, so you can do all the things that you like to try and make your workplace a healthier place for people to work where we've got positive well-being and you can put fruit and nuts and water stations and have yoga classes and all the rest of it. Yeah. But if a person's job is designed and if people's jobs generally are designed in a way that makes it unhealthy for them. So, for example, you know, they work in a call center and they're sat at um, a desk, you know, for too long. They are therefore not moving sufficiently. You know, all the research we know on moving and the impact of moving, never mind exercise, just physically moving, you know, that has on our physical and emotional and actually our cognitive capability you know for example if we do not move i'll do the cognitive one if we don't move our eyes away from the screen to go out and look at more of a horizon on a regular basis that impacts our perspective it impacts our um, creativity so many different things linked to our performance so we've got to design jobs in ways in which you know, people can move, people can get fresh air, people can hydrate, people can connect socially with others. Way too much of this online stuff, not healthy. And by the way, just in case I don't get a chance to say this, because I know you have a limit on how long we can speak for these podcasts and you're doing brilliantly at making me relatively <laughs> disciplined. Um, you know, it, it it's so, so important that... Um, Okay, today I can't even remember what I was going to say now because <laughs> that <laughs> I try and do things concisely and that's it. I'm less I can't do it anymore. No, it's okay. Um, yeah, you were talking about how uh, obviously it's not about fruit; it's about making it easy for people to be well in the workplace, as opposed to putting the onus on the employee to be like, "Oh, your job's already stressful, but can you just be well, please?" Um, <laughs> so yeah, so like uh, you were talking about your call center example of you know, can you? Do you, can you move? Can you get the basics in? Fresh air, connection? Yeah, exactly. The point I was going to make, actually, seeing the word well-being behind you has absolutely reminded me. Here's another thing. Okay. <laughs> um, link well-being to performance. Oh, my goodness. Like, I, I speak to people all the time, and I think they see well-being, and I'd, I'd love to hear your views on this, Marie. See well-being as an initiative or a strategy that's kind of like a separate thing to performance. So, you know, I never describe myself as a well-being coach. Um, I generally speaking don't use terms like well-being. Um, I talk about performance all the time. Yeah. How do we enable the organization to perform its best? It's about people. An organization is people. Okay, so let's get people performing at their best. 
How do we get the people performing at their best? Pretty much everything that we do with them, yeah, is fundamentally influenced by the foundation of their well-being. Now, rather than again having that as a separate to how we do things like designing people's jobs, yeah, um, designing the environment in which people work, um, even determining things like hours of work, um, how we develop people, how we appraise people, how we reward, how we recognize people, that's got to be linked to the whole well-being piece. You know, they're, they're integrated, all of them are integrated, they're not separate things. Absolutely not. Yeah, it makes sense to, to look at the whole picture and to think about how each of them complement each other. And they're not siloed. And well-being is not just HR's job either. It's sort of like, what can we do? And ripple it through the whole organization. But I absolutely love that. Thank you. Um, so it's been an absolute pleasure as always to speak to you. You're an absolute gem. Um, where can people find more about what you're up to with Leaders Are Mad? Are you doing any cool events or what's going on? Where can people find more about you? Excuse me. I am not doing um, any events just at the moment. So I've got I've got nothing to to push out there, um, as it were. What I would do is, is say to people, um, you know, follow me on LinkedIn. That's the best place to follow me. Um, I don't, I'm not sure that everybody that I speak to appreciates that Leaders Are Mad is literally a brand name for what I do. Okay, so Leaders Are Mad. It's not this organisation somewhere. It literally is me. Very occasionally, if I do do an event, Marie, I'll invite somebody else along, guest speakers and that sort of thing. Um, but it is just me. And I love pushing um, content out there for, you know, people to be able to um, access and, and to get them thinking and, and to get them doing things and so on. So if you follow me, um, particularly on my personal LinkedIn page, so um, Claire Walton Change Agent, I think it is, something like that, um, then um, you will be able to follow the sort of content that I put out there. Also my website, there's quite a lot of content on my website as well. Um, I love the vibe of your website as well. <laughs> very comic book, very, uh, very fun. It is, yeah. Oh my God, Marie, we have to have fun whilst we're working as well. You know, again, it's, it's abs having a laugh, having fun, absolutely critical to performance as well as well-being. Um, reach out to me, contact me, you know, let's have a conversation, whether it be a conversation of uh, messaging or, you know, getting on a call like this or going and having a, like I did at lunchtime today, a chat and a walk and a decaffeinated coffee. The decaffeinated being really important because we met at 12 o'clock. <laughs> Love it. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And um, hopefully people have got the message of where to contact you. And if you want to have a conversation like this with Claire, she's very easy to speak to, as you can tell. Um, give her a give her a message and I'm sure she'd be happy to hear from you. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Claire. Thanks for listening to the Key Wellbeing Podcast. Don't forget, we've got a whole library of free guides, toolkits, resources, and fortnightly lunchtime listens, just like this, with an epic lineup of guests, all to help you to create a healthy, happy workplace. Find it all on our website, www.keywellbeing.co.uk.